Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB. I'm your host, Emery Melhoff. Join me as I explore the issue of Measure 1, a constitutional amendment to put term limits on North Dakota's governor and restrict your state legislators to eight years in the House and the Senate. In spring 2022, North Dakota Farm Bureau took a stance against term limits. We believe term limits will increase the bureaucracy of agencies, shift power from the legislative to the executive branch, and ultimately harm rural North Dakota. When I heard about the term limits measure, I reached out to our neighboring states who've already imposed term limits to see what term limits have been like for them. In this episode, I visit with Montana Farm Bureau Governmental Affairs Senior Director Nicole Rolfe. Nicole represents the Montana Farm Bureau in Helena and ranches with her husband in eastern Montana. 30 years ago, Montana imposed term limits on their state lawmakers. Nicole shares how term limits have caused expertise to shift from the representatives to the agencies and the difficulty term limits has put on representing production agriculture. I enjoyed my conversation with Nicole and appreciated the insight of a state that has already adopted term limits. Join us for this conversation. Today, I'm here with Nicole Rolf of the Montana Farm Bureau and a rancher out in our sister state, Montana. How are you, Nicole? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you, neighbor? Good. <laughs> Um, where are you? Where are you at in Montana today? I'm actually a little bit east of Miles City. I've uh, been with Montana Farm Bureau for 16 years. Still get to work with some counties here in eastern Montana, but also do some of our state lobbying and handle our federal portfolio as well. But my husband is, um, you know, full time rancher here in eastern Montana, and this job allows me to do both, which is great because uh, we're both from this area and happy to be in our home community. Our legislative session, which is, like you said, every other year, we're 90 working days starting the first full week of January and odd numbered years. So I get about four months of city living and then get back out here to to reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so in North Dakota, we're currently looking at a measure on our ballot this November to put to term, term limits on our state legislators and on our governor. I am talking to some of the Midwest states who have adopted term limits to visit them about what term limits are like and how term limits have affected your state. Montana's voters um, by ballot did a constitutional initiative in 1992. Uh, so I was not a voting age yet uh, when this was passed. So wasn't, you know, really involved in a lot of the discussions. But from what I learned you know, over time, just visiting with past legislators, current legislators, and people who were kind of active in this this scene in the 90s. The talk around this was similar to what we hear, you know, right now about federal term limits. People just thought that having turnover would be beneficial to get new ideas, or maybe they were frustrated with certain legislators who had been in certain seats for long periods of time. And so they were able to, you know, get a, get a constitutional initiative on the ballot and it did pass kind of, I guess, out of angst in the country. And it's been very interesting visiting with these folks because I've had former legislators and current legislators, both from both political parties, tell me that they were supportive of this idea initially 
But now seeing the impacts that it's had on the state and how our legislature works, they really wish we hadn't gone this direction. So it's been very interesting just seeing how the turnover really does impact the policymaking process. How would you say the turnover affects the policymaking process? Uh, Unfortunately, we lose a lot of institutional knowledge every time we have turnover, whether it's with legislators or with, you know, statewide elected officials, because our term limits apply to both, both statewide offices and our legislature. So we have, we end up having a lot of, you know, we have turnover every 16 years for every legislator, at least it could be more frequent than that because they're term limited that you can only, you can serve eight years in either house. Every session we have you know, between 30 and 45, I would say, freshmen that are brand new to the process. Some of them have never even been in Helena. Um, Many of them have very limited experience with the lawmaking process. um, And, you know, it's not a knock on them. There's just a lot to learn from everything from how the budget works, Are you cut this revenue source um, program? Are you also cutting? There's just a huge learning curve there. And then also um, with our statewide offices, having the governor's office term limited obviously means that we have uh, a new governor every so many years. And when that happens, we end up with new department heads um, and, and new turnover. And, you know, sometimes that's really good, um, but sometimes it's not been as good. There's just the huge loss of institutional knowledge, which ends up, you know, and this is something I've heard former legislators say on both sides of the aisle, is that when you have term limits on legislators, you end up basically taking power away from the legislative branch. Because you, with losing that institutional knowledge, you kind of give more power to agency folks. Um, Not necessarily that that director or that department head, but those career staff that have been there for years that know how the process works and where all of the, well, as they say, where all the bodies are buried. Um, They have that knowledge and have a little bit of a leg up. And likewise, obviously you could be biased. um, (laughs) Like for me working for an advocacy organization, those of us who have been around the process longer on the lobbying side Um, We come in there with um, more institutional knowledge as well. It's great for us to be able to continue to advocate for our members and the needs, but legislators just have to constantly be relearning these things. The proponents of this measure are are touting as institutional knowledge is just PC, politically correct, for establishment folks. You know, I think there are some people out there and I would guess they'd have a bad taste in their mouth about, about this. And I'm sure that there was, you know, back in the nineties, when we were talking about this in Montana, there were some examples that people were holding up about, you know, maybe certain areas, certain districts or certain towns that were kind of controlling the legislature and controlling the way the state looked. And they didn't like that. Um, And that's understandable. What I see is that, at least the folks that I've worked with in the last, you know, 16 years, they get that knowledge. They use it. They're using it for good. Yes, they might be using it to bring things that are really important to their districts to the top of the priority list. 
but they're doing it because that's important to their constituents. Okay, so let's talk about how this affects production agriculture. So here, the sentiment really has been for term limits that if we bring term limits in, if we have an increased turnover, if you get rid of some of that you know, institutional knowledge slash establishment mentality that we're going to get new ideas, fresh ideas. We're going to get rid of excess spending. Um, We're going to get rid of dumb laws. (laughs) We're going to get rid of all of the trading that goes on. You know, I'm going to give you a little bit of this so I can get a little bit of this for my district. So you can get a little bit for that, your district, you know, you get rid of all that and you just bring, bring fresh faces in. And I think that's really, seems to be the, the belief amongst the supporters here. But you're saying that you haven't seen that in Montana? I guess And then, we'll, and then we'll jump back to production agriculture after that. Sure. Sorry about that. That's okay. No, this is an important thing. And I guess I, w- I would challenge that thought process with, with this argument. And that is that by putting in term limits, I think it actually has polarized the legislature more. We have people who know that they only have a finite amount of time to go up there and make a splash or deliver on whatever kind of promises that they brought to their constituents when they were running. They don't have as much motivation to create relationships with their fellow legislators in a productive and honestly polite way. I find it a lot more polarizing. It can be polarizing, you know, obviously between the two parties, but also even within parties. And I believe it creates more conflict. And that's what, you know, the old timers uh, around Helena would tell me is that people used to work together more towards um, more productive kind of outcomes when they had more like long term relationships formed with each other. And and I buy that argument. I, I think it's very true, especially in legislatures like Montana's and North Dakota's, where this is a citizen legislator, excuse me, a citizen legislature. These people have real lives, real businesses, real families at home, um, constituents that they care about. And being a legislator is truly a service. Like we call it political service. And I think people really need to focus on that word service because I don't know how your legislature is reimbursed, but in Montana, these folks are not making big bucks. They are sacrificing to be up there to take that four months a year and time during the interim away from their families and normal lives to do the work of their, their constituents and their communities. So, you know, when the legislature is working well, when they're being productive, I think that, you know, coming together and finding common ground can be very, very productive. And that's not to say that sometimes from an ag perspective, you know, might be on this side or that side. But overall, if the legislature can find ways to work together and and find common ground and still vote the way that is best for their constituency, uh, that's really productive and better for the better for the state. So let's jump to production agriculture. So here in North Dakota, we have a really hard time fielding individuals who are active in production agriculture and getting them to run. Um, And the people that are in production agriculture are making a huge sacrifice to go out to Bismarck every other year. Um, Is it the same for you guys out in Montana? It very much is. We're constantly talking about the importance of having boots under the desks. 
And there's a little bit of talk about how in our rural districts, we definitely see this in Montana. Um, there just aren't that many of us out here anymore, right? And so finding someone that could provide those boots under the desks that is willing to take that time away from their farm or ranch is harder and harder to do. And occasionally, you know, we get some great legislators. And in my time in Helena, there have been some fantastic rural legislators that have been just great voices for rural Montana, for agriculture, for all of these kind of complicated issues that our more urban relatives or our more urban friends don't understand. Um, I've seen them come in and just do a fantastic job for agriculture and then their terms up and then they have to find surface someone else. And that might not always be another farmer or rancher. So in many ways, I think term limits can be especially difficult in our um, rural communities because it just makes it that much harder for us to find folks who are able and willing to serve. Um, it's it's really interesting to hear from Montana's perspective that not only is it hard to surface those agricultural representatives, but then it, it's hard to replace them once they term out. Yes, and I guess if you think about it this way, you know, if you if you're lucky enough to surface a great farmer or rancher who runs and gets elected and serves their time, you know, over a 16 year period, they're getting older, obviously, you know, they're probably able to transition their farm or ranch on to the next generation, hopefully. And, and then they might have, you know, 20 more years that they could have given to the process and, you know, had their farm or ranch be continuing to operate on the next generation at home. Um, but because of term limits, when they have that time that they're able to do it, they just aren't allowed to anymore. Hmm. Well, it's sad that you lose some of that wisdom because some of that wisdom does come with age and making mistakes and not only making mistakes in your operation or through the policy process and learning from those and then being able to hold the agencies and account and et cetera. I heard somebody once say that the best term limit is the election cycle because yeah. the people get to decide how long they want to how you know they they get to decide the term limits on their legislator and if they want their legislator to serve 15 20 30 years then then they get to set that limit and if they want their legislator to serve one term <laughs> they get to set that and so they get to choose what that term limit is i think that's true and i'm sure it's frustrating for people who live in districts where a candidate or a party of not their choosing continues to get elected and that's probably where some of this angst about term limits comes from. But, you know, there are other ways. And I would guess, I, you know, this kind of goes back to your question about, you know, will it hold spending or will it cut spending? You know, in Montana, I think maybe there was some of that hope. And, you know, we, we went through 16 years. Well, we had, you know, eight years um, with a Democratic governor and um, when he was term limited out, the state elected another Democrat governor. And then, it, you know, in the following term, the state elected our current governor, who's a Republican. You know, that changed the, the way our, our state is running. Um, but it wasn't term limits that did that because it could have, you know, the state could have continued electing the same party. So term limits aren't going to be your, some of this folks' proposed solution to a perceived problem. I'm glad you, you know, dug into the, you know, do 
does institutional knowledge equal, you know, shady business? <laughs> and I appreciate that challenge because I, I can understand how from a distance that perception might be out there in, in the, you know, in the communities. But I guess I would just want people to know that in my experience, especially on the state level, these people that we elect to go serve us in Helena or in, in your state capital in North Dakota, they go there um, to represent you and to do what they think is best and um, giving them skills by letting them serve longer is really in the end going to be beneficial for the constituents that they serve because they want to do good for you. They want to do well for you because they care, but also because that's how they get reelected. And so it's kind of like letting the free market play out, right? If we can let that happen, in my experience, I think it would be beneficial. And I just really respect so much of the you know feedback I've heard from legislators and former legislators over the years and industry folks that have been around for 30, over 30 years, um, just talking about how the process has changed with term limits and, and not for the good. So I, I really like what you said about the free market, because mm-hmm. as farmers and ranchers, we understand that. Like we understand when um, supply is low and demand is high, prices go up <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we understand how that works. And if our legislators are doing a good job and they're doing what we want them to do, then they get rewarded and reelected. But when they're not doing a good job, we get the opportunity to kick them out of there and and bring in something new. When you are terming people out, you have a whole term where they really aren't accountable to their constituents because they don't have to worry about pleasing them. Yeah, it's kind of that lame duck effect, you know, that we see in in Washington, D.C., where, you know, the few months between an election and when new new folks come into office, a person who is on the last few months of their term that is retiring or has been unelected can vote in some wild ways. It's interesting to hear you say that the the lobbyists and the agencies can actually be more powerful in a in a term limited legislature. Could you just flesh that out just a little bit more? Sure. So, you know, um, we'll start with agencies, at least here in Montana, um, agencies have a lot of, a lot of authority. And I'm sure the true is in North Dakota. They take the laws that the legislature passes, they implement them, they go through rulemaking processes and, um, you know, there's an opportunity for public participation in that. But especially in a every other year session, there's a lot of time that these folks are are left doing their work um, without direct oversight. In a situation where legislators have term limits, they you know they get a certain amount of time to become experts on you know whatever agency their committee has oversight on. But that time is limited. Folks in the sight of these agencies, um, many of them as career uh, public servants can work in an agency for, you know, 20 or 30 years and really understand how the process works and how they can make things work in one way or direction while still working within the rule of law. And when they can come into a legislative committee and provide testimony 
um, that's convincing in one way or the other. And a legislator might not have as much background to be able to interpret or ask the questions that should be asked. There's just a lost opportunity there. I could point to lots of legislators I've known over the years who maybe have a really good grasp of what the Department of Natural Resources Committee does or Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. And they can really dig into the budgets or into, you know, a piece of legislation that the agency has requested, you know, really dig in and and get some answers that maybe on the surface are not quite as apparent. On the lobbyist side, I wouldn't want this to sound negative as a lobbyist. But <laughs> yeah, that's um, who we are. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you can take this as a, as a good or a bad thing. But over the years, we learn about how the process works. We learn about, you know, where the money comes from for each budget, where the revenue comes from, which programs it goes into. For example, our property tax system is pretty complicated here in the state. So fully understanding how that works is not something that everybody understands on year one. But uh, someone who's been working for the same industry, so use agriculture as an example, for 20 years, um, we've got a leg up on um, legislators in ways if we are just very fluent in understanding the way property taxes are assessed or the way they're evaluated, um, whereas someone with a more superficial knowledge might not be able to pick up on some of those nuances and and say, well, wait, like, um, if we're making this change for for ag land, how does that impact residential properties or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the more everybody knows is, is beneficial, right? And over time, you're just bound to learn more. And uh, having savvy legislators in there that, especially as chair people of committees that can control the flow and of the discussion and make sure the right questions get asked really brings more sunshine to the whole process and ends up you end up with you know legislation that's better for the constituents mm. the expertise shifts away from the representatives of the people they're just not there long enough to to know all the ins and outs Well, thanks so much, Nicole, for being on with me today and sharing a little bit about what politics is like in the Montana world. Thanks for having me on. It's great to visit. And um, I think, you know, our states are um, very similar in a lot of ways and and also different. So I, um, I hope that this all works out well for you. And we've got to do everything we can to make sure that our our rural communities, our farmers and ranchers have their voices heard in every bit of this process. So applaud you for, for working with your folks and, and talking with your members and getting their message to the right folks. So thank you very much. Bye. You've been listening to Straight Talk with NDFB. Join us every Wednesday as we release a new episode talking about the term limits measure and how it could impact North Dakota.